Hello, and welcome to Birding the Frame podcast. I'm Sarah, and this is Asad. Robert J. Oppenheimer. And today we are talking about Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Don't say Christopher Nolan's name like he's a normal director, please. Christopher MFN Nolan. Yeah, this is my Barbie. Okay, this is your Barbie. This is my Barbie. Okay, yeah. yes. Uh, so um, today we're going to talk about the most anticipated movie of my life. Your life. Uh, we've been literally counting down on billboards for over a year to see marketing. this movie, especially when they had to push the film back. And then what did they do? Just take down those billboards? Or do you think they yeah. had like a digital way of fixing it? I don't know. I think they pushed it back and didn't push it back. It's cool because the timer signified when actors went on strike too. What? <laughs> like it kind of was counting down to actors going on strike. Hundred percent. Yeah, we were ready. We knew. Yeah, yeah they, they knew. They knew. Yeah. They knew! For sure. Um, so we saw this movie at your favorite movie theater. Regal LA Live. Regal LA Live. I, I love downtown you guys, LA. man, but you are a shell of your former self post-COVID. A lot of businesses, I feel like they've shuttered but stayed open. You know? Lines are longer. I, Go I, on, old man. Tell us more about what you don't like about society. Let's just say I'll skip through. What do you want? They're... The, the guy who was taking our tickets also works at MedMen. Like, he was probably high. I, he did. He did. Yeah. I did notice him. <laughs> okay, I mean, and this is like... <laughs> right. I'll leave this is, this is, just tells you how much I just hang out in my little bubble of downtown LA. Like, I was at MedMen earlier that day, getting my little edibles, mm. walk into the, the movie theater in downtown LA, and I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, you're at MedMen, right? And he's like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Sarah is super downtown. If you're looking at prices for a tent to live in she has a oh i got one i got a closet i can rent to you for 4500 bucks <laughs> a month um so and then i had two glasses of wine i can't stop having wine in this movie which was a bad idea i was not anticipating it this is not my typical type of film uh very talky very a lot of white men in a room talking about something that happened a long time ago not saying it wasn't important i'm just saying it's not my idea of entertainment um, Sounds like a holiday with your family. hundred <laughs> percent. Except for they don't talk. They just stare at the TV. And we love each other. They're all very nice. Love Hi, Sarah's Mom. family. Love Sarah's um, family. Okay, so I thought it would be a good idea, make it more fun if I had a couple of glasses of wine. Little did I know that was going to be the highlight of my whole entire night. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, let's get into trailer trash. Yes. Please. So we saw a couple of trailers. What's uh, trailer trash there? Sorry, this is the segment where I talk about my favorite trailer that we saw that I'm most excited about and my least favorite. Um, and we'll start with with the least favorite this time, okay. which was um, Gran Turismo. The story of the gamer that played the game so well, he got an opportunity to compete in real life as a race car driver. The true story. The true story. Of how Orlando Bloom and the guy from Stranger Things made this kid who liked to play video games. Phenomenal. A lot of money. And as I said to you, two things. One, I will never see this movie. Two, all my years of playing NBA 2K, I'm like, maybe there's a roster spot on the Lakers. He's finally going to the NBA. You know? <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> you know? That and there's the wine were my highlights of the movie. <laughs> that would be so he cool. Said, oh, finally I can go to the NBA. All my hours and hours I thought I was wasting playing 2K. I was just training. That's crazy. One day I could be in a small Koreatown apartment and then two months later it's like pick and roll with LeBron. 100%. And Never give up on your dreams. Like all of you teenagers out there, when your parents try and tell you like you're wasting your life, you're, you're rotting your brain, tell them you're just practicing. 
I'm at practice. <laughs> I'm at practice. Um, Least okay. favorite. Okay. Okay. So my favorite of the um, trailers I saw, we saw, was a film called Challengers, starring Zendaya. Yes. yes. It looks cool. Now uh, we briefly talked about this before, but um, the only thing that felt weird in that, like anything that Zendaya is selling, I'm buying it. Okay. Like I have, I am cashing all of my stock is in Smart Zendaya. Water, whatever. Whatever, I'll take it, man. Yeah. Like I just think she's such a talented actor, and maybe one of the greatest of our gener, maybe not my generation, but the generation after mine. <laughs> I don't think me and Zendaya are the same generation. Is that true? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the word generation means. I think that's the deeper issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's the top. That's the thing we need to talk about now instead of Oppenheimer. Okay, <laughs> Sarah is real dumb. Um, yeah, I think she's just great and. There was like a, it started off with a weird, like, what is this movie going to be about? It was like her and two guys sitting on a bed talking about how they were going to be in some sort of a thruple. It looked like my search history for a second. It, it looked like your uncle's for a second. <laughs> um, talking about like being in a thruple and I was like, what is this movie about? Like, what are we doing today? I was a little nervous at first. And then I saw all the clips of her being a professional tennis player and yeah. I fucking bought it. You're on board. Huh? She looks great. I she's just so good, man. She's damn good. I um I don't know, man. I, I guess I call I think we've discussed the sexy baby theory. Yeah. Where I think Selena Gomez originated this theory for us. What's like we saw them grow up, we saw them when they were a teenager, and now we're getting older and they're like young twenties. And now they're doing sex appeal, but you still feel like they're this they're young still kid young. in your brain. And you're like, oh, it's, now they're just a sexy baby. It's like your niece or like, you know, that kid you haven't seen in a while. And you're like, oh, I thought you were five still. And all of a yeah. sudden they're like an adult. Yeah. Like, oh, the last time I just remember you from the, old, the age that you used to be. Yes. Um, I think we've had a conversation about your Instagram and people that used to know you when you were young. And they're like, whoa, looking good now. And you're like, oh, that's creepy. Red dot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm for it. I want to see it. I want to see the movie. Uh, for how many sports movies don't get portrayed well, tennis movies are usually really done well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So and you're board. you're a tennis fan. Would it be would it be in the fan. top three favorite sports for you? Golf to watch? No, not to watch. But I do love tennis. Okay, I do love tennis. And I, the last tennis movie we saw was the Williams sisters. But what was this? The uh, with the Will Smith. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you hushed into the camera. Um, I love the idea though. <laughs> I love the idea of taking two of the greatest female athletes and making it about a guy. That's what that film was. Yeah, it was so smart. It's just like, make it about let's make it about this angry, yeah. mean man who like pushed them so hard <laughs> that they had to achieve greatness. Otherwise, they would disappoint their father. I don't know. I'm I wish my dad up. was more like that. Rick is the goat. Hey, I know, Rick. but I I wouldn't be here, you know? I'd be probably like in a real podcast studio doing this. <laughs> shots, Thanks shots, a lot. Shots, Thanks shots, a lot. Shots, okay, shots. Um, moving on to. Give us the breakdown of, of Oppenheimer. All right, if I must. The story of American scientist Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. I'm already bored. Can you do it in an accent? <laughs> oui, oui. <laughs> the uh, story of... <laughs> I don't know why I went like weird French. It's okay. Um, so it sounds exciting, yeah. right? In yeah. theory. Um, and surprisingly, so let's just get into first thoughts. So I will say that Assad is the biggest Nolan fan. Like he... Your favorite movie is a Nolan movie. Yes. Um, yes. A lot. Most of your favorite movies are Nolan movies, maybe even. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's one of the most, if not the most important directors of my time. You know, combining high concept ideas with big blockbuster films. You know, Nolan's ideas should be independent films that no one wants to make. Right. You know, but he's been able to bridge 
really high concept ideas with blockbuster film and get it funded. And that to me is like the best of both worlds. So I've been a fanboy of his for a very long time. And so Sarah's had to hear about the excitement for Oppenheimer for a very long time as well. So what are your top three favorite Nolan films? My favorite film of all time is The Prestige. Um, and then Memento, which is an early oh, film Oh, interesting. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, have you seen Memento? I have seen it a long time ago when I was in high school. Yeah, but really cool concept, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, because of the cultural significance and like the comic book ripple effect, Dark Knight. Oh, Dark Knight's a great answer. Like, we don't have comic book movies now if Dark Knight isn't made. That's that's my answer for my favorite. I don't know them well enough to say maybe my top three, but that's, yeah. I think that's my favorite. I was surprised yeah. Inception didn't make it. Would that be the next Inception's one? Inception's so good. Yeah. yeah. Inception's just, the th here's my issue, um, is that Nolan has in the past, correct me if I'm wrong, given us all these new properties, right? And it's like, it's not an existing format other than Batman, of course, but, yeah. you know, it's not an existing thing that we already know about. And Oppenheimer, now, of course, we haven't maybe watched a movie about this before, but it was just like a retelling of something that happened a long time ago, as opposed to like, oh, here's this new idea that nobody's yeah. heard about. And maybe that's what he does better. And maybe would this film... Well, I should wait. Okay. Because we got to get into... My reaction? Our okay. reactions of it, yeah. So. In short, should I go first? Since I'm the Nolan fanboy, or do you want to? It's yeah, your go, show. Please, 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 please. For so, as a Nolan fanboy, um, it breaks my heart to say this movie missed almost all of the marks for me. And cinephiles will love it. It's like, like you say, it's like, it's probably what people in acting school or whatever for years will take a scene out of this and practice because it's like a bunch of people in a room having really serious discussions and it's wordy and it's talky. That's 95% of the film, mm -hmm. which I love. I love dialogue. Yeah. But what happens sometimes for me, when I see writer-directors, whether it's Quentin Tarantino, whether it's Christopher Nolan, because he did write this, right. it's tough to kill your own babies, man. You wrote all of this, so you want it to make it in the film. When If you would have had a separate writer or a separate director, they'd be like, maybe this could be a little bit more concise. Right. But he had great talent. and had great directors, and the content was cool. But I can't sit in a film for three hours because the runtime was three just over three hours, hours of a lot of older white men speaking about this issue. No issue is that important for me to be there for that long. For if just you've three ever been in a meeting with Assad, he's My like, God. can we keep it concise? It better <laughs> be like, 15 trying, minutes. This is a really important decision. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're talking about the fate of the world. He's like, yeah, but let's hit the highlights and get yeah. out. You know? <laughs> and here's the thing, and what I'm noticing when critics are reviewing it, they love the film because they're like, this is where Christopher Nolan yes. really shines. And I'll be honest, like my... Fanship is biased. I love Christopher Nolan doing high and intricate action pieces. And you get a glimpse of yeah. it in this film. And for a second, for like 20 minutes in the beginning of the third act or the end of the second, you're like, mm -hmm. this guy's the best in the world at doing this. At yeah. creating these huge climactic moments, editing sound. And you're just like, holy shit, no one can do this. And then it goes back to the film of the story of people arguing in rooms. I love dialogue. You know I'm a dialogue person, but this just misses for me, man. It's like going to see. And I can openly admit that I'm trying to keep him in a box. I want Inception again, and I want Tenet again, and I want Interstellar again. You know, these things to be beautiful and not have to have like black and white visuals of people arguing for 45 minutes. So it missed for me, man. It really, really missed for me. Which shocked me because, I, and I felt bad almost. I knew I wasn't probably going to like it. Yeah. Or like I'd like, you know, I tried to like it. Um. But when we walked out and you said that, I was like, oh, I was shocked. Yeah. Now, would this film have been better if your other hero, your other white male hero, 
Aaron Sorkin had written it. I liked the writing of it. Okay. In fact, I couldn't see a lot of holes in the writing. It's just there was so much of this film that didn't center on what made the film great for me. Yeah. And you don't have to blow things up for me all the time. I don't even love action films. You do for me. I know. <laughs> you love a car chase. It's just so dumb. You know, I mean, there's just not a lot going on up here. So it's like, but ah. it's just tough. It's tough because he's so good at that, and he's the only person in the world that can create these huge climactic action moments. And when you only give that of like 20 minutes of a three-hour film, not to mention it's at the beginning of a third act to where you're like, well, I thought the film was leading up to that. And then there's like 45 minutes more, more of a story that you're just like, oof. And then we'll get into maybe maybe we'll get into the problematic elements for mm -hmm. maybe a little sure. bit that yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan's kind of had in his writing and character displays. But yeah, for me it missed. How about you? Same. Um, I my first thought as we walked out was just like it really made me doubt my intelligence. Uh, I think this is becoming mm. a theme of this because I'm like I'm like oh maybe I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, especially listening to other podcasts, which you don't need to listen to, just listen to ours. Um, but especially listening to other podcasts, it was like this is the most important film of our time. This is the, like I was talking about how they were in, they were scared the whole movie. It was a really scary film. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had no tension. I mean, I did have two rosés. Yeah. Maybe that was where the tension was. Yeah. The bottom you of the, and your alcoholism? The bottom that of tension? the can. Yeah. But I mean, my alcoholism. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I didn't, I was just, I just thought my, my thought as I was walking out of the theater was what just happened and why? It's wordy, man. It is wordy as fuck. If somebody else, if I made this movie, yes, are people as excited about it? Or yes. are they like, I'm, I'm talking people who have seen it. Do they laud it the same way that they did for Christopher Nolan? Or is it like, it's like what came first, chicken or the egg? Are we happy and, and on board and, and already excited and primed to say we loved it because it was Chris Nolan? No, no, I think, I think, if anyone makes this movie, it gets reviewed the same. Okay. I think it does. Yeah, I, th I think it does. I think I can see why. I'm not. I can see why people love this film. I'm not ignorant to it. Mm. It's just not what I love about film and what Christopher Nolan gives me in his films. You know. Um, what what parts did you think were problematic? Well, Christopher Nolan. This is me being a douchebag liberal that li lived in L.A. too long. Um, all of his films, the female portrayal in all of his films kind of struggles a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, this is me who like has never written a big budget film, but all of his uh, women in this film have been a little bit underbaked. Mm -hmm. You don't really understand their character. And when they do, they're just like, they don't pass the Bechdel test type of shit. It's just oh, like yeah. they're just someone's boyfriend, girlfriend or someone's wife. Well, I mean, in fairness, I, I totally agree with you, mm -hmm. but in fairness for this particular film, it was about a man. And sure. then the ancillary characters. Were there other characters that were that were male in it that you thought were the same importance as, say, Emily Blunt or Florence Pugh, who were written that who were more like thought out, fleshed out? You know, no. Um, you know, the Oppenheimer character was great, mm -hmm. right? They spent a lot of time with him, probably too much time. What about Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr. Um, at the end, I think Man. they'll probably people will love Robert Downey Jr.'s performance mm -hmm. in it. Um, for me, it unfortunately happened at a time where I was almost checked out of the film. So mm. that's when he was really cooking when I was like, this film is still going. So it's hard to even consider his performance in it. And did you think his character was well, writ was well written I, compared I, to like Emily Blunt? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, and it, even if this was just a singular film, if one director only directed this film, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's mm -hmm. just a series of Nolan right. films that are my favorite films. I can't ignore the fact that I'm like, oh, you're female characters. Each There's time. A, you struggle writing pain. those, you know? Mm -hmm. And then and he tries to get, and I don't know, he tries to get it back. I think in Tenet, it was becoming glaringly aware that he doesn't cast black people. Mm -hmm. So he like went with David Washington in Tenet, made him a lead, saw that correcting there. And then he, maybe he tried to give Emily Blunt a moment in this film. But that felt really trying to please the audience to get him away from this narrative. Like about, shoehorned in, kind of? Like, yeah, I think he was trying to get away the narrative, like how poorly he displays women in his films, mm -hmm. you know? Which, I'm feeling, I'm sounding like a douchebag talking about this, because the film is like so big, but there's a there's definitely a pattern in his mm -hmm. films. So that, that was what you were saying was a problematic thing. Of, yeah, man, that was, mm -hmm. it was tough. One of the problematic It was things. tough. Mm -hmm. If it was just one movie, I couldn't care less. Like, right. oh yeah, this was about Oppenheimer, but this is sick time out but i'm like Oof. well let's briefly talk about the two female characters in this film uh, mm -hmm. of importance were there more it was just those two girls right? yeah uh, women and adult even in uh, inception he did that female character so bad she's a man now cut it cut I'm just gonna... <laughs> not respond to that so that we can we'll, hopefully just we'll cut the, we'll we'll cut, bleep it maybe we'll, we can we'll just bleep it sure we'll cut that out i'm so sorry oh my god well, there's certain things we can get away with here <laughs> Um, so, so going into that, so we've got Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, who I believe to be phenomenal actresses, both of them. You love Florence Pugh. You got a girl crush on Florence Pugh. Oh, uh, who doesn't? Oh my yeah. God. She's sexy. She's cool. She's, she's sexy? a great actress. Yes. She's got, she's got something. Hot take. Florence Pugh's got something. <laughs> she's, um, go ahead. Her boobs are in this movie. Spoiler alert. And. Were you a fan of her boobs? I thought they looked like mine, kind of. Prove it. <laughs> yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought she looked great. I that wasn't the issue for me. The issue was like, was it necessary? Um, and and I think to your point, as we're talking about kind of the character development of the females here, we won't talk about that the whole time. But it was like Emily Blunt plays Oppenheimer's wife, mm -hmm. and Flo plays his mistress, mistress. slash ex girlfriend, mm -hmm. um, and they're both just like these crazy ladies. You know, it's like Florence Pugh's just like a little bit of a nut job, but he's just like so infatuated with her that he can't quit her, you know? And then mm -hmm. Emily Blunt plays his wife, who's just like, we don't know why she's his wife or why he loves her so much, but like, she's just an alcoholic. My favorite line of the movie is this. Hit me with you ready it. for this? Yeah. So she comes, he comes home after a long day of building the A-bomb <laughs> whatever. H-A. H-A-bomb. Mm -hmm. And, uh. He, he comes in and he hears the baby crying and his wife is nowhere to be found and the baby's nowhere to be found and we're all like, uh-oh, what has she done to the baby? And um, and she comes out and she's like, the brat is down. Where's my martini? <laughs> I was like, that's me as a mom to a T. You felt, you felt seen in that moment, my, huh? The brat is down. Where's my Where martini? Where are the martinis? It was like, where are the martinis? She was like, the brat's down. Where are the martinis? I was like, fuck yes. And... Kill it, Emily. And Blunt. down is a loose term when I can hear it crying in the other room. I don't I know mean, how down in, the baby is. In the crib, I guess. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you give the baby the martini and then she'll really be done. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, so it was like the one, the, his wife is just a drunk who doesn't really care for their baby very well. And then his ex is just like, can't be trusted because she's a loose cannon. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I, fine. I don't know. I, I understand your point. Um, but I think in this film, it didn't bump me like it bumped you, but I, I also, I understand you're saying it, it was a 
a problem yeah. over film after film after film. Yeah, that's just a that, that's just a small part of this film where I, I shouldn't because the film didn't ultimately work for me. I shouldn't negate like the great performances there were in it. Oh yeah, Damon's good in it. Killian Murphy's good in great. it. Robert Downey Jr. is great in it. And there's like this all-star cast of people that are just coming off the bench for like 10 minutes of the movie just crushing, you know? Yeah, and, and I think Emily Blunt is one of those people. I think she's a phenomenal actress and she kills it in this movie. Yeah. And, and I won't spoil it too much, but there's a scene kind of all the way toward the end where she gets to come in and, and, yeah. and she really does her thing in that little five minutes that she has. Um, which, if I may skip ahead to, since we're on the subject, yeah. Accent Police. You and the accent police, do you want to, do we, sh okay, we still have to introduce accent police. Sarah is <laughs> not a MAGA person, but only when it comes to foreigners taking her American roles. She turns super build a wall. Asad, may I remind you that, that you like me? So go ahead, start, try again. Take two. Sarah's a talented actress <laughs> that offers very good critique about the dial American dialect. There it is. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I, this will hopefully won't be a segment in, in every pod because you know hopefully they'll cast some Americans. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you put not, your hand over your heart. You said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Emily Blunt, her accent. She she Florence Pugh is another one who kills the accent. I She's never have accent. heard her slip up one time. She does a great job. Wouldn't have even known she was British. And I think you broke that to me one day. And it was a low day for me. I, I just turned off the lights and went back. I took to bed. There's no Americans left. I took left. to bed. There's <laughs> no Americans left. Um, I had my and I said, where are the martinis? Um, <laughs> she she does great. Emily Blunt, however, does not kill the American accent. Oh, okay. And it doesn't, I don't care. She's still a phenomenal actress. Um, and I still buy everything she's saying. I just wish that she would stop trying to pretend she's American. Okay. Just be British. All right, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Okay, so let's go to our Rose and Thorn. The Rose, for me, mm -hmm. it's really close. But obviously, we're leading up to this moment. That moment completely delivers, over-delivers in every aspect. Mm -hmm. But the part of him dealing with it, Oppenheimer dealing with the fact that he's made this bomb that's a world-ender and having to speak about it in a congratulatory way to the American people, the way yes. they put you in his brain, that part to me is like, bro, Christopher Nolan is the best to ever do this. That moment... It's so visually great. It sounds amazing. The performance is so great. And then it puts you right there. That's me. I'm like, damn, man. If this was 20% more of this film, this film would have won me mm -hmm. over. Because it's so good and so done at a high level. That that was my, like, that might have been my favorite moment this year in film. So when he's in the classroom talking to the people and they're all clapping and they have their little flags and whatnot. Yeah, okay. after the war's ended. Really cool, yeah. I agree. That was amazing. a great moment. Yeah. Um, I have, Sorry, go ahead. So what... Should I say my roses now? Or? Sure. Okay. So my roses, I have a couple. Okay. So there were there were two or three moments of the film that, that really worked for me. One of them was that. And do you remember there's a part where he's teaching a class and there's only like one guy shows up to be in his class. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. The way that they edited it or shot it was they show him and they show the one person in the class and it's kind of, you know, this moment of, oh, is he going to be bummed? Is it, yeah. is it the only one person in the class is like, oh, should I leave? And then he does not let it deter him. And he speaks so passionately still about what they're doing and mm -hmm. what he's trying to teach that I thought that just, that just had me, it gave me like a cool sense memory of just a really great teacher. That's cool. You know, like yeah. someone who is excited to be there. Who's not just like, well, I guess we should start class, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought that was cool. And it showed a little bit of his, the positive side about this sure. man. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say it was the testing of the bomb. That was my, that was a close 
not my first favorite, but, but really close. That was phenomenal. Um, this whole 40 minutes of that film, like just that, uh, that's my favorite film of the year. Yeah, just that 40 make the minutes. Film an hour and a half, you know? God, that was so phenomenal. Um, yeah. But that the the choices that they made, mm -hmm. that he made, that they made, that the editors made. Um, and this is, from what I understand, is like an editor, a female editor, I think, yeah. um, who's been with him for a long time. And that she, interestingly enough, since we're on the uh, weekend of Barbenheimer, mm -hmm. she got her start doing, she did Frances Ha. Oh, for With Greta Gerwig, Gerwig and dope. Noah Baumbach. That's dope. Um, and then moved on to Christopher Nolan Project. So it's kind of cool. Like, she must be a very, very talented editor. Oh, yeah. um, but my ultimate rose okay. was Matt Damon's nose. What? Are you He's still? He's just so cute. Do you still have <laughs> feelings in your swimsuit parts for Matt Damon? Yes. Even now? I do. Okay. Even especially now. All right. Especially when he's, you know, when he gets it together. What does that mean? You know what it means. You've had a lot of little goodwill dreams, huh? <laughs> goodwill hunting, yeah. He's got such an interesting nose, and I just think he's just real cute. Do you like apples? How about them apples? <laughs> um, okay, and my, what was your thorn? Oops. Um... There was a part, Christopher Nolan doesn't really do nudity or sex in his films. He took a chance this time with Florence Pugh. Oh. And it, and. Was it the, without spoiling, I guess, we yeah. could just say, was it the first or second time? Other people were in the room. Yeah. And it really missed for me. I, I appreciate the swing. but I it thought really it was missed. a cool swing too. Yeah. It didn't miss for me like it did for you. Okay. I think a lot of people agree with that though. Yeah. From what I've been hearing, the buzz about town. Yeah. On the picket lines. Is that it didn't work for them either. But I thought it was kind of a cool kind of a cool moment. I appreciate the attempt. It just didn't work, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um my my thorn was the three hour runtime. Holy guacamole guys. When we were at Regal and Regal had a notification that was pretty cool. That was like, Are you still watching? I was like, Oh, that's a cool feature. <laughs> no, Regal has not. We're not, man. We're not. There's not enough. <laughs> um okay, so last uh last bit of the podcast is my gummy rating. Zero, uh, okay, I guess I'll quickly explain since this mm. is still new. Um, the gummy rating is uh, how many, how high do you need to be to see this movie? Yeah. Uh, so the lower it is, the better the film was. It's like golf, apparently, um, where the lower your score is, the better of a job you did. Mm -hmm. um, this movie, so it's a zero to five rating. Zero being the best, five being the worst means you have to be super high to see it. I would say like take five gummies and just stay home. Save your money. Yeah. Hot take. I hate to be negative, too negative. To I just, and I will say also, like, this movie was never for me. Yeah. Just like you said, Barbie wasn't for you. Like, yeah. this movie was not, is not my genre of film in general. So, um, I appreciate the acting of it. I appreciate the noses. <laughs> Emily Blunt's nose, and Matt Damon's nose. They've all got great movie star noses. Hit me up. Let me know who gave you your nose jobs. Um, Are you in the market? Uh, I might be. You have a good nose. You would replace it? so much. I would definitely replace it. Give a little BBL nose? Just a little touch. Okay. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Okay. Um, yeah, tell us what, what movies you'd like to see next now that we've seen the big ones. We gotta we need a little guidance. True story. On uh, what movie we're going to go see next. And hopefully we'll see one that Assad actually likes yeah, man, at some I've point. Yeah, I've striking out. Thanks for watching DTF. See you next time. That was right.